Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Nine-foot homemade oak bar and pour yourself a cold one. This is Bucks in the Basement. My name is Chris. His name is Craig. And we've got a lot to get into uh, while I sit here and wait on the day that we're recording, which is a, a Tuesday for the finale of Ahsoka on Disney+, Plus, because I'm a Star Wars nerd, and I'm hoping they don't screw it up. I mean, we're in off-season baseball at this point, so I, I get a few moments to say that I love the series and I don't trust Disney at all. And I'm just waiting for them to screw this all up. Like, it's been a great bunch of episodes. And I'm very afraid that by the time you've, you've listened to this show, when it comes out on a Wednesday, that somehow they will have ruined everything just to explain how the Emperor lived through the entire Death Star exploding after he was thrown down a shaft. You see what I'm saying? So, like, like the, I don't know how they're going to continue to explain the stupidity of the whole thing for those last three trilogy movies. But I feel as though every one of these really good series on Disney Plus, like The Mandalorian or Boba Fett and now Ahsoka, at some point they got to introduce, well, he's a clone, but he's a clone that's got all of his memories and the Force. Like, it's so stupid. So I'm very concerned that the finale of Ahsoka will be another just stupid way of them trying to fix their mistake. That's why I just don't watch any series whatsoever. Cause I just, I never want to be like let for disappointment. I, I used to, I watched that show heroes back in the day. And then all of a sudden they just like cut it out, like in the middle of like oh, the third season or something. I was that just like, show they ruined that show. Remember? I was like, they I'm never going to watch plot line. I was like, I'm they never going to watch a series line. again. I'm never going to watch oh, a had, series again. They had a whole plot line and a whole purpose for the entire show. And then somehow they decided to reset the entire thing change who was a good guy, who was a bad guy, kill people off, the, you know, have people that should be dead come back to life. It was such a mess, that show. That's why that show went off the air. I'm with you on that one. That was a disaster. And comparing the last three movies in the Star Wars uh, um, universe, the nine Skywalker ones, were the, the final three, the, the most recent trilogy, to Heroes is perfect because that was a train wreck in the exact same way. Okay, and you know what? Any of you Star Wars nerds that disagree with me, and you're like, I, you just, you just don't like Daisy Ridley, you, you bring it. Okay, please, <laughs> come on. Most, most unoriginal thing I've ever seen in my entire life. We're gonna take a girl who's a nobody in the middle of the desert, and then like a robot that's got secret plans and special knowledge is just gonna fall into her lap in the middle of the universe, and then she's gonna become a Jedi. Yeah, we're gonna have that happen twice because that's what happened to Luke too. Uh, seriously, we could spend a whole half hour of me ripping apart the Disney takeover of Star Wars and how they've completely ruined it. 
And then how they like reacted, like this is my last Star Wars thing, how they acted like Solo was a bad movie. And that's why they, they stopped doing the individual movies. And it wasn't because people were so angry after The Last Jedi that they weren't going to go spend their money. They couldn't admit it was backlash from The Last Jedi. So they blamed Solo, which wasn't even that bad of a movie. No, that's my that's my rant. We're gonna have to talk about baseball. That's my rant. I got it. You get me going on this. I will scream about it forever. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, you are the worst and you ruined my Star Wars and I'll always hate you for it. Seriously. I have just a deep hatred of everything that she's done with the Star Wars universe. Dave Filoni is the only thing that's saving it. I don't know. Can we even talk baseball now? I'm so upset. Did you see my did you see my new did you see my new uh, facial hair thing? I've gone with the. uh, I'm trying to look a little younger, kind of shave the sides yeah, a little bit there. Looking good, yeah. my man, looking good. Got the gray out. I, I mean, I didn't color my hair. I just don't gray in the front. Like you, you look like Santa Claus. I, I, my, my beard is like, it was only gray on the side. So when I took that off and I got a haircut, it's like shaving 10 years off my life. So no, I, you know. I'm just gray everywhere, man. And it, it just doesn't get any better. And the, and the pirates yeah. definitely don't help with that. I mean, the season's over. But I, of course, like the pirates have to come out and announce things like on, you know, the last day of the season, which well, that's co- what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to see stuff at the last day of the season. I didn't expect Nunley to be out. I thought he was helping a Brian Hayes. No, this man, this is, this whole story is just, it's very, very strange because I mean, everybody will remember back in the beginning of August, Jason Mackey came out uh, with an article and then we had him on the show just to kind of you know talk about you know what Nunnally had done and the story at that mm-hmm. point in time was that Nunnally on the days off was like driving into Pittsburgh to help keep Brian Hayes during his like cage work because he's the guy that helped Cabrian when he was like at the alternate site in Altoona and Cabrian was improving. That was the thing. We talked about this on the show after you talked to Mackey. We could see the improvement. Yeah, and now it's it's basically, you know, come out after the firing or kind of along the same times of the firing is that, you know, Shelton and Hayes are both saying, oh, no, that was – it's kind of over-exaggerated. It's more towards health, and now everybody's saying that it was just, you know, a, only a few text messages – that and it doesn't even say like who reached out to who, whether it was Cabrian reaching out to Nunnally or Nunnally reaching out to Cabrian, which there's like some murky waters in this because I completely forgot. I don't I don't know if I brought this up the last time when I talked about Nunnally ever is is Nunnally and uh, Cabrian's dad, old Charlie Hayes, are like good buddies, and. I think the pirates hate Charlie Hayes because he just puts stuff all over social media. Cause you remember earlier in the season, it was Cabrian wasn't happy or something. Right. It's always some sort of stuff around Cabrian. There's some issues there. I mean, uh, long-term, I mean, long-term, especially looking at that contract and how in the back half of it, it's not that much money. Like you, you could see that like, he may not be in their long-term plans, even with that contract. If they're, if they're getting rid of the guy that was helping him, if they're annoyed with dad, if he doesn't perform to a level where the, it's worth putting up with. And it, what's weird is it doesn't seem like he's doing anything wrong, right? I mean, there are bigger problems on teams all over Major League Baseball than Cabrian Hayes and his father. Or, or the fact that a, a minor league hitting coach was helping out and maybe stepped on the toes of the major league hitting coach. And we don't know if that's what happened. It's just a weird ending to the season here. Like, here's a person that was reported, was helping out one of the guys you have signed long-term. That person... That, that report comes out about it happening and nobody disputes it. 
And then a couple months later, there's this really hasty, like, oh, yeah, he's out the door, and uh, that really didn't happen. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's the only, like, when I hear it, it's weird. And here's the thing is, I mean, there's, there's times where, I mean, it, even if it was just a few text messages, it, it still could have helped. I mean, there's times where we've had, even in the past, Pirates fans might remember this, is like Adam Frazier, who had, would, whenever he would be hitting very well, he would even say, oh, yeah, my dad was watching the game and said, oh, you're dropping your hands early. This is the way you do stuff. And it actually helped him. So to me, like downplaying it even whatsoever. And we even said, it wasn't even like, I mean, everybody's like, was it, you know, it's probably still like replace Andy Haynes because he's terrible and he's a terrible hitting coach and, you know, bring Nunnally up. No, we weren't even saying that. We were saying, oh, just bring him onto the staff as well. Like, why not have, five hitting coaches like who cares how many hitting coaches? I, i'm you still have? with that you could have multiple hitting coaches i think a good organization has multiple guys that are working on hitting you want to have one that's the head guy fine make sure you hire a guy that understands that he doesn't know everything because the styles of hitting the difference between a power hitter and a guy that's trying to hit for average the 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 psychology behind it i don't understand why teams have one I, i'm never going to get that when you have other you have other sports leagues and different different sports that are out there at the highest levels that have multiple coaches that kind of overlap each other so they can help each other out I mean, what the heck my my kid's hockey team has so many damn coaches on it and like you know it's the he works with the ones that work with him best so i i don't understand why in baseball it's one hitting coach and god forbid the other guy's helping somebody out it just seems silly now that that out of the way i'm just happy that the national emergency over whether or not we we were we were ruining our draft pick and putting him in the outfield, right? Like somehow somehow putting Henry Davis in the outfield, okay, was 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 just the end of the world. And this on this show we both said he's just going out there so he can work on hitting first, and then then he'll be a catcher. And I love the fact that that Ben Charrington came out and said exactly what we said was going to happen back when the hubbub was going on. Yeah, he's going to be a catcher. Yeah, we were doing this because a lot of teams are doing this. Yeah, we wanted him to get used to Major League Baseball because he'd only had a limited time in the minors and really didn't spend a ton of time down there. But we want to get him up and get him contributing because we think his bat plays. So, yeah, we're easing him into it so that we don't ruin the kid when he first gets here. He confirmed exactly what we said, and he did exactly what we thought he might do and say he's going to be a catcher. Get ready. Yeah, and that's what he just basically said. He's going to work on catching in the offseason. He's going to come to spring training, you know, as a catcher. And, and this was something that we we've been talking about. I don't even know for how long is it. Andy was ahead of him as far as, you know, working with pitchers, as far as his defense, as far as framing his blocking, like everything. And that it would be probably if you waited for Henry to get caught up defensively as a catcher, that it would be probably like the middle of next season and they said they needed his bat, which, I mean, the bat played at times. He did have the injury. And, yeah, he was rough in the outfield, but that they weren't abandoning the idea of him being a catcher because, I mean, I I don't see how, like, that early on you could just basically say, well, you know, Andy's our catcher. Henry's, Henry's not going to be the catcher anymore. And we're just going to run with this forever, especially since neither one of them like perform that well offensively. But both of them are going to be catchers, and both of them, if they're playing well offensively, 
will, will on their off days stand out in the outfield. Okay, it would be the smartest way to do things. You, like, let, let's say that the two of them really catch fire at the plate and they become worth something. And you want to keep the bat in the lineup, but you don't want to wear down the knees. Well, both of them are on the catching staff. And if you need to keep them both in the lineup one day, that's what the designator hit, hit, designated hitting spot is for. But more importantly, you put him in the outfield. Because what happens if Andy's behind the plate and he gets hit by a ball in a weird spot or gets hurt in the fifth inning? You can't really move the DH over. Okay? So you, if, if you can keep him in the outfield, you can have your backup catcher still in the lineup and swinging on a regular basis if he's hitting well. I mean, you want him to hit. None of this matters if they don't hit. But if the two of them are hitting and they're playing well offensively, that's quite an advantage to have two guys that can also go stand someplace else on the field and still be able to back each other up and still stay in the lineup if you want to keep them both in the lineup for a matchup or because they're red hot at the time. So, I mean, like, I think that's very forward thinking for a team that is never going to have a big budget and has to find a way to have versatile players and options because guys get hurt Guys go through slumps. Things happen in 162 games before you even get to the postseason. And I think it's great to have two catchers that have that capability. Yeah, and they never actually stopped working on his catching. He was doing side sessions and all kinds of different stuff. It was just that, you know, Andy was going to be more advanced. Jason DeLay was used as not only Mitch Keller's personal catcher, but is just a, you know, a decent backup catcher. And we said before, it's like, we'll just expect there to probably be three catchers in in your like active 26 man roster but that you know two of them can also play other positions which you know Henry didn't get as much work before coming up but Andy's played some first base he's played some second base he's played some outfield I mean that's gonna be a, a pretty big thing for them and you're not just gonna to, to like I said just throw it away and give up on one thing just because you know Henry, you had to get him up here because anytime he was in triple a, even when he went back down, when he was injured, his bat is almost like too advanced for that level. So it was like giving him some of that experience up here. I mean, unfortunately, you know, he had to have some of those struggles in the outfield, but it's not like that. I mean, I think people overplayed the amount that like his poor play in right field was, was killing them. I mean, it's not like that there was like 25 balls being hit to him every game. It was just that the guy was a little bit lost out there, and that's perfectly fine. I'm more and you know what? He may not work out. He may not work out as an outfielder, and then fine. And then you just have two catchers. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, 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 and that might be what it is. I didn't mind what they were doing because they weren't going to the playoffs this year, and they wanted to get the kid up here and get him some major league at-bats. Okay? I had no problem with it. Now we see what happens in the next season. But I know one thing. They're not looking for a catcher this offseason. They have other problems than catcher. They got plenty of catching. They, yeah. Now they just got to see if that catching develops. That's their job. They got more of a problem trying to figure out who's at first base and whether or not they have all the outfielders that they need to really make a run and win some games. Okay? And, and, and they got to figure out which one of the guys at second base is staying and is there a piece that they're going to add into their, their player pool, but then they really have to look at that rotation. And they have plenty of money that they should be able to add a couple of pieces. And they've shown me over the last couple of years that they've done a very good job with their pro scouting to, to sign guys to one-year deals or two-year deals and bring them in here so that they, can, that they know fit something that they, are, that they desire, that, that they have a skill, and they're getting them normally on the high end. They're not really bringing in guys that are just complete bust. So now the question will be, 
if you open up the pocketbook a little bit and you're specifically going after certain positions to round out your team to finally be a competitive team, and it won't be a finished product because you're still going to need more development of your younger guys. You're still going to get to a point next season, I would imagine, like let's say they make the postseason. You're going to get to a point where you probably get knocked out before you win the World Series. And then you're going to have to sit back and say, well, what do we need to add for next year? So they're never going to be, they're not going to be a finished product, even, even next year. But you should be a product that contends for a division and at worst ends up in a wild card. And, and then you learn more about your team for the following season. This is the beginning of contention window that hopefully is open for a long time because if they do this right, then you're like the Rays. Then you're like a team that's always in it every year. And if you miss the playoffs, you're not sitting around going, we got to blow it all up. You're just going, up. No, we just got to make some tweaks, wait for this guy to come along, and then we're right back in it next year because that's how we run our, our, our team. And, that, and that's all you want from the Pirates, folks. That, that's, that, that should be what you're looking for is to never have to go back to the last couple of years of knowing you're going to lose before the season even starts. Okay, you, you want now for this to be a steady, systematic way that the team is run for long-term success. And maybe at some point, when you do get all the pieces into place, you're hoisting a trophy. That, that, that's the goal, right? Yeah. And for the people that would be saying, well, you know, do we need two catchers? Well, I, I kind of just always harken back to... Do we to, need two catchers? I, I, I look back to the Toronto Blue Jays, who actually had, like, three catchers who technically could have, you know, made the Major League roster, and they end up trading some to get pieces that they don't have. So that's where it's like, people are like, well, we have too many middle infielders. Well, hopefully they all play out that some no. of them don't even have, no. you know, you, you never playing time and you can trade from a, a position of, you know, strength. So right. you never have too many middle infielders. Actually, you know what? You can never have too many of, you can never have too many shortstops and center fielders because they translate into so many other things and they're valuable in case you need to deal them to get something else that most shortstops can play about five other positions. And I don't think you can ever have too much catching because catchers get hurt. You know, it, things happen in your organization. And when you're without a catcher, that could be crippling to an organization, crippling to them. I mean, I think about the Astros when they were making their run and they were basically running out there with a defensive catcher that couldn't hit because that was the best they could get their hands on. Because that was the one thing they were not able to develop within their organization. And it might've cost them a world series in there during this, this run of years that they've had, where they've had such a very good team because it was a hole in their lineup that they just could not get, get fixed. So, so, I mean, look, look, it, it's hard to find catching. It's hard to develop catching and it's hard to have depth at catching. If you have it, it's an advantage and you got to take every advantage that you possibly can. I, I'm looking at the scroll for those that might see the, uh, the YouTube video. Are you still putting these up on video? Um, Are you still doing that? Sometimes. It, it, it depends how well it comes out. I mean, this one, you ruined by not hitting the thing. Oh, who cares? But I, but That'll I, be fine. But Show I, the warts. But I, Show the warts. But I, might, I might put this one up here so everybody can see how, uh, how good you're looking with the, the trim I'm looking but. good, man. I'm looking good. Look, ladies, ladies, it's early on in it. I'm not going to be single for a little while here, but I'm, have, I'm getting a divorce. And I'm not a jerk either. I'm not going out and getting a sports car going after 25-year-old girls. I'm the good guy. The judge <laughs> gave me all the kids. All right? So, got his own company. Got the gray out. Just saying. I'm not ready for you yet. I'm a little soured on women these days. But at some point, man, I'll be out there again. See, Craig's secure. He's got. He's married. He's happy. So he can look like Father Time over there. Okay? <laughs> And, I can't. And it's and it's the off season, so this beard just goes longer and longer, man. 
Right, exactly. We're similar in age. It doesn't look that way though, because I gotta stay in the. I gotta get back in the game here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm. I, I. Somebody told me they said something like, I, I was wearing. I think at one of my son's baseball games, I was wearing "Hey Dudes," and they're like, "You're you're one step away from like walking out of the house in slippers." And I said, "Guys, I'm. I'm oh four, yeah. I said I'm. I'm forty five. I'm forty four, happily married. I said, dude, I'm on the downturn right. at this point. Listen, you have to put this up right now so people could see the comparison. I'm two years older than Craig. <laughs> I want you. I want everybody to know that I'm two years older than Craig. And if you look at the two of us, you would laugh hysterically at it. If you've never seen, I mean, seriously, put this on video so people can see it. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. But finish the audio one if you're listening to it right now. see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. We got to get into how uh, we how we did with our preseason goals. Was it goals or predictions? You, you went back it was, and looked it's at It's almost like, I don't know if it's a goal or a predictors. It was just basically like, because we talked about it two times. One time it was, we were, we were abducted by aliens and we were dropped in at the end of the season. And what would we think? I think that was two years ago. This last year is just like, okay, at the end of the season, not looking at the record, which we already know has improved. It was something that you had brought up, you know, even in the, the preseason uh, during spring training, you were like, oh, we should be like fighting towards 500, which we finished with Fighting 76. towards 500. I said, if we got to 500, we'd be lucky. Yeah. And I was fine with how this ended. Yeah. Okay. And so, and I know so, we got off hot, but I was fine with how this ended. But, you know, for the future of the team, like what are like, like basically like three players or three stats that we would kind of look at to try to see if this was a successful season because we didn't want this to be built on, I don't know, great seasons from all the old guys and some of the younger guys or the guys that should be here for a long period of time, you know, not improving. So we went with three players. We went with uh, Brian Hayes. We went with Jack Sawinski and we went yes. with Mitch Keller. And All right. Those are three good get at the beginning of the season. Those would be three names that I felt definitely on the team and definitely we needed to see some good things from or we were in some deep trouble. So what did we say about Cabrian Hayes? Well, Cabrian Hayes, we talked specifically about his OPS plus and his launch angle. It's like if we we're going to look at stats, we weren't going to look yes. at war. We weren't going to look at defensive run save. We we're going to look at the OPS plus because if he was anywhere pe approaching league average that we would we would be very happy and we would, you know, be looking towards him maybe becoming he couldn't that. be below average yeah couldn't, he couldn't be, below be below average, average and his launch angle was all screwed up he and wasn't he was not putting the ball in the play properly and yeah we, we were worried about that yeah, yes because so, basically in, in 2021 and 2022 cabrian hayes's ops plus was 86 and 88 
So, de- so below average. 100, 100 is average. And this year it was 105. There was you go, Cabrion. Yeah. And then what about the launch angle? Did we get any stats on that or we we're just it. assuming we did. he did yeah, better? No, the launch angle, okay. the average in Major League Baseball for the past few years, the average launch angle has been 12. His okay. launch angle in, t- in 2021 was 2.6. Gross. Last year it was 5.2. Ew. This year it is 13.2 nice so we have seen seen... so we said this is what he needs to do he needs to adjust his approach at the plate and get his ops back to being average to above average and he went and he did it scored a win be excited about that now that just needs to continue yeah and the other thing now i know that what i'm going to look at for next year is games played because he did have a lower war and f war but he also played in like half he played in like a dozen less games so, okay. so, I mean, I definitely want to see, I mean, we can't have, you know, one of our two best players only playing in 124 games when he's like the stalwart at shortstop. He played 136 the year before. So I, I, I'm putting that in the back of my head. Stalwart, that, stalwart at third base. Yes. Third base. Third base. Not shortstop. You must be thinking about O'Neill Cruz being injured and that you need him back. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I, yeah. Or maybe I'm that. thinking yeah. that maybe we just move him over to shorts. I, I don't know. Oh, that's I don't just know what crazy. That's about. just crazy talk. What, what about Jack Sawinski? What did we say we wanted to see out of him? Okay, so Jack Sawinski, we said the first thing that we were going to look at was also his OPS Plus because he was one of the guys that was approaching an OPS Plus of – being average to above average last year. Last year he was at 99 and we said we wanted to see that above average. One, yeah. 115 OPS plus. Uh, that's a nice improvement. It just shows that uh, compared to the rest of the league, he was doing better. And and his OPS, his actual OPS numbers, I mean they they had to show an increase there as well. It's not like the league got worse and he went up. No, the, actually, the league actually the league got, he improved by like 70 some points on his OPS. He went up 70 some points on his OPS. That's pretty good yeah. for this this point in his career. Okay, I'm happy with that. And the other thing we said was we wanted we knew that he was going to he was going to strike out a decent amount and we didn't want to see it increase too much. It went from 30.6% to 32.2%. Which Okay, well, he's still striking out. A lot. Still striking out a lot, but we yeah. said if he was going to continue to strike out that we wanted to see his base on ball percentage go up and it went up from 11% to 14%. So it did increase slightly and his, yeah, on- I don't know. Those are pretty negligible differences. I know I'm, here's, not, I'm not impressed, but here's the thing is on base percentage went from 298 to 339. So he, okay. It, 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 well, yeah, well it went from terrible to respectable. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and Chris, you mentioned, you're like, as long as his average doesn't blo- drop below 200, cause he was 202. We didn't want Kyle Schwarber type, like, you know, a one, right, right. unless you're going to be hitting like, you know, almost 50 home runs. He, he batted 224 this year, which still isn't great, but also this is his first full season in the major league. So we'll keep looking at that. But I mean, some of the, you stuff- know, what? I have such a problem with averages now. Do you do the same thing? Like when I was a kid. Hitting 224 meant you sucked. Yeah. Right? Hitting 205 meant you shouldn't even be in baseball. But now with all these other metrics, some of these guys like become longtime players and get all kinds of respect for what they do, and teams give them free agency contracts. So it's always been really weird to me as being somebody who who grew up thinking that batting average mattered, and it matters so much less now in terms of evaluating players, which is it's crazy to me. Who was the third guy? Uh, the third guy was Mitch Keller. And- right, that's right, Mitch Keller. So now 
this I remember. Let's see if I I remember that I knew that he had to be good. Like I remember my biggest fear was that if Mitch Keller came out and just sucked all year long, or was like a middling up down player, we didn't see any development. He was cooked. Yeah. That's how I felt. And then you had a much longer road to trying to be a competitive team because you didn't have any pitching that you had developed. And and you can't just go out and buy five pitchers, especially when you got Bob Nutting's wallet. So I'm sorry. Bob Nutting has actually a big wallet, but you have to have the combination to the lock that is wrapped around it with these big, thick chains like Marley walks around with in the Scrooge movie, okay? That, that, that's, that's, that's what his wallet looks like. So you have to be able to develop some pitching. What happened with Mitch Keller? What do we, what do we ask for specifically? Well, you asked for two hundred approaching 200 innings. Yes. 194.1 innings. Close enough. Close enough. Close enough. And I mean, he could have started. He could have started the last day, but I mean, they just pretty much were like, you know what, Mitch, you you did what you needed to do. Yeah. So if he if he if he starts the last day and you're in you're in playoff contention, he's a 200 inning pitcher. He's a 200 inning pitcher. That's how I feel. Go, All right. Going up from a total of 128 in 2021, 159 in 2022, and now to 194. So he's building himself up, which is and nice to see. It has to be that way. It has to be that way. Major League Baseball, you can look around, especially during the race towards the end. You saw teams going into five, six, seven-man rotations. Like, Baltimore started doing that. They had such young pitching that Grayson Rodriguez was pitching one out of every seven days because these guys were just not used to the workload. And they had the, they had this, they have young guys. You need guys that are like, yeah, I can do 200. I'll do 220. Like, you need that guy. You need a couple of them when it finally comes time to compete. You've got one now, and he's homegrown, and he's young, and he's controlled. Yeah, and and I mean, and just to put on top of it, I mean, Johan Oviedo wasn't too far behind him, so you have two like kind of getting to get two workhorse pitchers, which is really nice to see. But the big thing for us, Chris, it always goes back to the whip because you know Mitch Keller's whip last year one point three nine six. Yeah, you know that's that's fifth starter whip. Yeah, that's fifth starter whip. So we basically said he we needed him to get under 1.3 well you had to do that you had to do that just to be a professional pitcher yeah minimum and so 1.245 oh i like the two in there yeah yeah and that yeah no i'm okay with that i'm okay with what he's at that there are plenty of pitchers that will do that and they'll be very very effective and that means he's keeping guys off base in the end you know keeping guys off base is the most important thing that a pitcher can do because guys will get blue pits. Weird things will happen. Fly balls get dropped. You get overmatched. You'd rather have those things happen with nobody on base instead of three of them on base. The more times you let guys on base, either with a walk or a hit, you know, the things he can control as a pitcher, the more of those that you put on base, the more you lengthen innings, the more scoring opportunities you give to the other team, the more likely you are to give up runs and lose games for your team. So you got to keep that thing down. Him keeping it at that level, he's a professional pitcher. If he has a like year where he's going to be, I don't know, top five, top ten in the Cy Young, that'll be down in the teens, possibly down in the 1.0-somethings. That would probably be where it would sit. And that's what you normally see out of most guys that are in contention for that because they're having a massive year. It's a very predictive number, the whip. And it really does tell you the story and it takes away from, is he on a bad team? Does he have bad defense? You know, is he having bad luck? Well, if his walks and hits are low, 
you can see that he's been a very effective pitcher. So I'm happy with that number. Keep it up. Don't go back over 1.30 next year. Keep yeah. it up. Improve on it. Keep building as a pitcher. You're young, and I expect bigger things out of you next year. Yeah, and the last thing that we talked about was his FIP, was just because we had seen his FIP and ERA, he'd have like a very low FIP, and they just weren't coming together. So right. we just kind of wanted to see that even out. Uh, his fielding independent pitching, yes. meaning that it, it, it's what he's doing and not his team. Yeah, so I mean, kind of like in, in conjunction with the whip, he had in his career he'd gone from a three point one nine to a six seven five to a four thirty. Last yeah. year he was at a three eighty eight, and this okay. year he was at a three eighty. So it did okay. even itself out. We obviously you want to see that go lower, but it, it wasn't like he's been before where it just kind of like from year to year jumps back and forth. So. I mean, all in all, I mean, what that basically says is that if he had, if all things were equal with his defense and they didn't negatively impact him or positively impact him, that he's given up three to four runs a game over nine innings. I mean, it's not great, right? But it's also a a starter that's going to win some games for you. And, you know, he's going to lose a couple of them too. Again, he's still a work in progress, but I see the arrow pointing up. I see him accomplishing the things that we said we needed to see out of him this year. This team is not a finished product. Okay, Brian Hayes shouldn't go out next year and do the same thing. It needs to improve. Mitch Keller shouldn't go out and do the same thing next year. He needs to improve. Okay, Jackson Winsky shouldn't go out and do the same thing next year. He needs to improve. So what they did is they they accomplished the things that we said we needed to see because we weren't worried about wins and losses. We were worried about these three names because they were probably the most prominent names coming into the season that you felt like were part of the equation long term. There's plenty of other guys that we're going to talk about this offseason that now are also in that equation. O'Neill Cruz is in that equation, right? We got to say, what is Brian Reynolds going to be next year when we're finally competing? We got some pitchers we got to look at, right? There, there's, there's people that we will look at this offseason and set bars for that we expect. We're, we're also going to set a bar for wins and losses because I, I want this team to make up those eight or so games that they needed to get into the postseason and be in the postseason next year. And it should be the number one focus. It's completely attainable. It all comes down to the moves of the front office and Bob Nutting's wallet with the big giant chain around it. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing is, is that we just basically said Mitch had to be one of the five, and I think he solidified himself. He's one of the five. Yeah. Oh, he's one of the five. He's at minimum a three-starter on a championship team, maybe higher by the time he finishes development. I see the changes in this town They change, they say